Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. And today we've got Brent Lee. And Brent describes himself as a recovering conspiracist um, and has a YouTube channel called Brent Lee TV where he talks about things conspiracy theory. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've all been looking forward to this conversation. It's something we've wanted to talk about for some time. So, Brent Lee, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Very happy to be here. Great. Um, so, I mean, I, I see the term conspiracy theory a bit like the word cults, um, in that it's quite a slippery concept, really. Um, you know, it's different people might have different definitions of it. So it might be worth get, getting your definition of what, what we mean by this term conspiracyist or conspiracist, conspiracy theories. What, what are we talking about? Yeah. Okay. Well, lots of people, everyone knows what a conspiracy theory is. So let's take, for example, a JFK assassination or something like that. Yeah. But what, where I come from is conspiracism and okay. it's basically an ideology where the whole world is run by these conspiracies. There's a lot of conspiracies happening yeah. and um, it forms this whole ideology where it's your whole worldview. Hmm. And that's kind of, that's what I'm sort of talking about a lot. Cause that's what I was into. It was yeah. into it for like 15 plus years. And I thought very similar to a religion, the entire world is run in a different, completely different way. Yeah. You know, that, that's that's the difference between a conspiracy theory and actual conspiracism or conspiracy theorists. Yeah. That, that's that's the definition that I try to make. I think that's really useful, actually. That's really useful. We'll perhaps come back to that a bit more. Um, let's let's have, have your story, if that's okay. I know you've talked about it on your channel, so we will be directing people uh, to your channel. But for our listeners, I think it would be nice to, to get it from you here so tell us about how you ended up being a conspiracist okay well i've always been like interested in politics around the world yeah um was very politically aware my parents were in the military so i kind of had to be very aware of geopolitics yeah. you know the the first gulf war was when i was like a teenager and just always had to be aware just in case something else was popping off around the world um lived in different countries I was very interested in other cultures so when 9-11 happened I was very very instantly thought okay that's Osama bin Laden I knew about terrorism I knew about the, the Al-Qaeda I knew about that type of stuff I said bin Laden before the news even said it my mum was like oh no what's happened and I said 
that's obviously Bin Laden. Yeah. He blew up a embassy a little while back. That's right. hmm. So I was very interested in all that. Then by like 2003, the war was going. The war was going on in Afghanistan, and we were pushing towards a war in Iraq. And I've very been, very much always been against war because, well, my family could be going there. Mm. And I was very interested in documentaries and stuff like that. And basically, I was messing around on the internet, looking around at like file sharing places. And I found this little documentary folder on someone's computer. And I just downloaded it. And basically, it had 9-11 conspiracies and all these other videos in it. And I just started a slow descent into it because it seemed like the world is so corrupt. These might be the answers. Hmm. It doesn't make sense to be doing this stuff. But Freemasons and corruption, that kind of actually makes sense. Hmm. It did to me, at least at that time. Like it, it gave me, it provided me an answer for what was blatantly going on. And yeah, it just took, it took a very, a, a, quite a while, but I just fell down, fell down the rabbit hole, really. That's really interesting. So why would you say, I mean, you've, you've touched, touched on it already, but it's, it's worth just um, uh, drilling down a bit. Why for you, were those explanations preferable to the ones that everybody else got? So, you know, when uh, when nine eleven happened, uh, news reporters explained what had happened. They do their investigations. They uh, the governments obviously also investigate. There's this this whole um, industry around understanding what happens. News programs tell us it was Bin Laden. It was you know, these, was it 12 um, people that, that uh, hijacked these planes and so on, so on, so So we've got a lot of information already through news programs. What is it about what you discovered that made that more real to you? It was, honestly, looking back at it, I can see now that it was the framing of the argument. Right. This is what the conspiracists were doing to us. Basically, they'd show what would be called inconsistencies in the mainstream narrative. Yeah. So with 9-11, it was like they would show like puffs of smoke coming out of the, the building and saying that that was a controlled demolition or that it would come down in a certain way. So how did the terrorists do that? Right. You know, that, that they frame these questions and then give you an answer. And then you're like, oh, yeah. Actually, hmm. that's very right. How does a building come down in free fall? You know, but many years later, you come to realize that it's actually not true. And hmm. they've framed their evidence in a way to get you to hmm. go that, you know, follow them. So the mechanism seems to be pose a question that you don't know the answer to um, and then provide that answer. Yeah, uh, and it's a question that perhaps no one else has asked, but it suddenly got your um, your interest. Yeah, because I mean, like with the politics, for instance, at that time we got we had Bush and Blair. I got I always got to try and say like 
trying to put context to my story, like yeah. the historical context of what exactly was kind of going on at that time. So at that time, it's 2003, and we have Bush and Blair. Now, Bush being a Republican and Blair being Labour. Hmm. And you're thinking, why are these people all working together? You know, and, and that's that was the, the question that gets posed. And they're like, see, it doesn't really matter. On the left, on the right, they're all corrupt. They work together. It's pretend. It's just like a, a wrestling match, you know. That's the that's the way that you're you get told about this stuff. And you do think, yeah, actually that is weird. Why are they hand in hand? Oh, why does that guy work for Halliburton? And this guy works for Halliburton. And it's just the way that they framed it. And it's a very intricate web that they've been weaving for quite a long time. Mm. You know, talking about the people that are, like you're saying, sort of weaving this intricate web, do you think that, like, because obviously that they, they at least have to be, I guess, aware of, like, creating these framing devices and so on that you're saying that then, you know, catch other people in. Do you think they're doing that with, like, purposeful sort of choices or do you think that's just they're thinking oh this is how we explain it and then they'll understand like do you know what i mean like is it, it does yeah it feel malicious or does it feel like oh they're just doing it so like oh this way they'll they'll get it if you know what i mean no I, I do now looking back at it seeing who some of those early influencers were and seeing their political affiliations i see they were actually like pushing a propaganda now, a lot of the people like around the first bit of 9-11, uh, the 9-11 truth movement, like we had Alex Jones, we had uh, Anthony J. Hilder, and these people were all connected to the John Birch Society, and they don't like Bush. They are conservatives, but they hate the Bush administration and the Reagan administration for things that were going on with like the NRA. And they always used to act like, oh, these people aren't conservative enough. But when we were talking about the 9-11 stuff, that wasn't in it. Mm. But now I can look back and I can see, actually, they were like they were trying to push a different form of conservatism. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do think, like, especially someone like Anthony J. Hilder, uh, Alex Jones, Jordan Maxwell, they all got these connections to the John Birch Society. Mm-hmm. which is quite propagandist. Mm. I guess that's why it's like um, that, 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 that sort of discovery is helpful in understanding people's biases and why they would be putting stuff out there and it helps yeah. you untangle it a bit. Yeah, I just thought these people were professionals. Mm-hmm. That, was, that's what, that's my, that was my problem. I trusted these people. Mm-hmm. This guy stood here in a suit. Why would he, why would he be lying to me? Mm-hmm. He's trying to expose a lie. Mm. It's, it's such an underhanded thing to me mm-hmm. now I can see it I wasn't I was right in the middle of it because they were telling me the things I wanted to hear they were giving me answers for an, for questions I didn't know the answers to yeah mm-hmm. so um do you want to pick up your story again so um uh, you, you there's the the 9-11 stuff and that that gets you down this this rabbit hole um, do you want to tell us how far down you go and, uh, <laughs> what, what happens after that? Uh, well, I've always also been interested in like unsolved mysteries, um, paranormal stories, stuff like that. And any, I just, 
was like a sponge. I was just so interested in absolutely anything to do with this world. It was just mm -hmm. the fringe. At that time, it was the fringe. It wasn't anything dangerous. So it was fun. It was just very, very good, you know. Um, I started going down so many rabbit holes. As I, I always make the joke is I went down the rabbit hole, went into the hollow earth and came out the other side. <laughs> you know, literally, like went straight through everything. Um, I ended up, I think at my worst point, thinking that absolutely everything in the world is being controlled. Everything major is a ritual. Um, I'll send you one of my blogs that I wrote that was about um, Beltane 2011. And basically the, what we were saying is over those four days, it was a massive ritual. There was a four day weekend event to us. And this kind of will hope, hopefully put into context for your audience how I thought everything was controlled. On the Friday, the birth certificate of Obama was released. Now, I've never been a birther. I never believed all that stuff. I just thought it was a symbolic gesture. Um, there was a birth, life, death, resurrection ritual. So the Friday was the birth certificate. The um, Saturday was the royal wedding. The Sunday was Osama bin Laden and Gaddafi were killed or Gaddafi's sons, sorry, were killed. And on the fourth day, which was a Monday, it was the beatification of Pope John Paul II. Now, those four things just are things that do actually just, you know, happen as coincidences. Yeah. But to me, that whole weekend was this massive Beltane Illuminati satanic ritual. Mm. And that's how I viewed, like, the entire world. That was happening all the time. And I think that was probably the the deepest I'd ever gone into the, the rabbit hole. Mm. See, that is really interesting. Um, I mean, obviously, you, you know that our podcast comes from the perspective of, of me being a, a, an ex-Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Um, and the sensibility of what you're talking about there rings some bells in a way because Jehovah's Witnesses look at um, world events and they see them through the lens of Bible prophecy. Yeah. So, you know, they'll, they'll if you look at um, sort of older watchtowers and so on, but even today they refer back to these times, you know, what happened in 1914 and what <coughs> happened in 1919 and 1935 and so on and so on. There's all these events that happen, you know, one of the um, or some of the headquarters were raided and in America and um, some of the governing body put into prison. And that relates to this prophecy in the Bible. Uh, where this was yeah. going to happen and that was going to happen. So it's it's all it's all this. Um, there seems to be a a desire to link events together to make them make more sense than they do. So it's like this desire we have to make sense of the world. Um, it, it seems like it's that, but gone to the nth degree. So that yeah. we're spotting patterns in absolutely everything. It, it, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's that. It's apophenia which right. is like see, yeah, yeah. seeing things that hmm. aren't relevant. Like you know, seeing I think smiley like the faces easiest, in taps and stuff like yeah. that. Well, yeah. the easy, I, like the, obviously the easiest thing is like seeing a, a, a face in a cloud. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can see a face in a cloud. Mm -hmm. It's just not a real face. It's not relevant. 
and app and like the, the term itself was obviously coined at the for the beginning stages of psychosis mm. when someone thinks they like that's about to be someone who's exhibiting psychosis mm -hmm. i think that's really interesting with when it comes to conspiracy theorists mm. people think we're crazy and mm. you're not crazy just because you believe a crazy thing mm. like you said like with religion like religion's like pretty pretty wacky i'm still a mm. christian and i just like say to people like just please allow me one miracle all right <laughs> i believe in a resurrection leave me alone i'm not gonna talk i'm not i don't like to like push my religion or anything like that it's my personal sure. belief mm -hmm. now but everything was like kind of based in that sort of worldview. But I, I also wasn't a Christian when I started. It came to it. And then more understanding of Christianity is what brought me out of it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead. I really want to know like the, that that bit now. Like, yeah, what what did bring you out? Um, let's just follow on from that. <laughs> what sort of started that? All right. Um, because I believed in the Antichrist, say, for instance, and I believed there would be an apocalypse and there would be the end times. And what they're setting up is, you know, the reign of the Antichrist. When I started looking like, okay, when I came away from a lot of the truth or stuff, like I was having a real hard time, um, I was having a lot of arguments with people in the truth movement because it wasn't what was going on um, didn't make sense. So, the, so I kind so of stepped away. Just to um, for our listeners, so the truther movement, this is this grand conspiracy that you've kind of been talking about. Yes, that, that this is all of us. Today, like the, the truther movement is pretty much swallowed up by QAnon. Okay. Like all the people that you call QAnoners. Hmm. That's kind of like it's not the whole truth movement. It's just anyone who's a conspiracy theorist or a conspiracist is you kind of join this thing. That's kind of loosely termed the truth movement. Mm. And I was like quite a big influencer in those early days, but um, I digress. When I moved away from this stuff, because I was having a hard time with the politics with everyone, I dug my head into learning more about my religion and that was like learning historical context of what was being said in there. And basically when I learned things like 666 and everything that's like in the book of Revelation was there's a historical context to that. I realized there is no antichrist coming. Antichrist and 666 meant emperor nero those people who the, the initial apostles thought jesus was about to return any day to them he was going to come back in their lifetime not two thousand years later in our lifetime you know and mm -hmm. and that is one of the things that started bringing me out i was like hold on there's no antichrist and hell there is no hell. Like it's a, a rubbish heap that he's talking about. Gehenna, when Jesus says they should be thrown into Gehenna, that is the the city's tip. 
that was actually a, an actual place where, you know, they burned rubbish and the animals would would fight over it. So it's like that's where the, the gnashing of teeth comes from, say. You know, it's all these little things. I'm like, hold on. Okay, so there's no hell. There's no Antichrist. And there's no no Antichrist reign. So what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> well, how did... No, 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 none of this stuff can be real. So they can't be setting it up. And that that's kind of the process that started mm-hmm. really helping me come out of the belief or the ideology. Hmm. So how long were you part of this then for? So I started in 2003. That's when right. I first got into it. Yeah. Um, within a year, I was I was proper in. I was deep I was dug dug deep in. I was in all the forums, and I was doing nothing but consuming that information mm. all the way up to. I, I didn't really leave till 2018. Right. I didn't really reject everything till 2000. Or at that point, that's when I moved away from everything. I just like logged mm. offline. Yeah. At 2018, and then over these last three four years, I was me trying to figure it all out, which is where I really relate to your story. Where I'm, I at 2018. I just started going. What do I think about this? What should I think about that? Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Brilliant. So it's a very, very, very long time. It is. It is, and and it's it's so interesting. I mean, there's so many intersections. I don't know where to begin, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, you know, that the language even is is quite similar. So so what I found is. Um, I don't know if we've missed. Sorry, I'm, I'm regressing myself now. Um, I don't know whether we've missed anything in your story that you think is really important. But I've got a few things I'd like to dig into. But is there anything, Brent, that we kind of have missed that that we should that we should include in your story? Um, no, you just go ahead and ask me whatever you okay. whatever you want because this is such a long amount of time. It's hard to really put it <laughs> into yeah. one cohesive story. I understand. Like yeah. my um. Um, confessions video that I put out took me so yes. long to try and figure out how to yeah how do I compile not only the 18 the 15 years I was into it but the 18 years altogether mm-hmm. like, how do I compile that into like a less than 20 minute video <laughs> you do a good so, job it's well worth uh, our listeners checking it out you just you do yeah. it through answering questions don't you your own questions really and I, yeah. I think that's a good way of doing it um yeah I, I suppose um the the language that is used by conspiracy theorists or by this grand conspiracy and and the language that I grew up with, there's some real similarities there, and I'll talk about some of that. I've also noticed that many, many, I don't have any proper data to say whether it's more than average or more than you would expect, but it seems to me from my experience of talking to ex-Jehovah's Witnesses that I, a fairly big percentage do get sucked in that's probably a bit of an unfriendly word but do get influenced by a lot of these conspiracy theories and and i i think that could be because there's some recognizable things there Mm -hmm. um so when i was growing up we were looking forward to the new order it was actually you know the pictures when when you get a jehovah's witness knock on your door uh, well, like it used to, I'm sure it'll happen again after the, the pandemic. Um, we used to have little leaflets with uh, pictures of paradise on them. 
And we'd say, you know, that this is going to be the new order where God's going to put everything right. So we were looking forward to the new order, the new order of things uh, where God was going to destroy the wicked. Um, yes, there was going to be an end times that Armageddon. Well, this is the end times. Armageddon was coming. The uh, the prophecies that you talked about, Jesus talking to his disciples, you know, um, wars, pestilence, food shortages, earthquakes, all of that. These are happening now. So Jesus was all right. He was talking about Jerusalem, but he was actually had this greater fulfillment in our day. Um, and I think for us, the um, uh, we didn't use the term Antichrist very much, but Satan was the... Uh, the ruler of the world so actually this is a grand conspiracy you know behind Mm -hmm. all the politics behind all the media behind entertainment behind all of that is satan and his demons who are manipulating people to do bad things and to reject god and you know god is going to change that when he or when jesus comes in in armageddon um he's gonna he's gonna destroy all this wicked system of things and hail in this new order you know it's it's so recognizable to me the things that you're talking about so it's not surprising that when uh jehovah's witnesses leave the organization they might find that actually quite attractive i, I don't know whether you've come across language. yeah it, says, it does it's yeah. truth it says truth because the truth that's refer to their religion as the truth yeah so how long have you been in the truth and how when did he come into the truth and oh mm. stephen's left the truth you know that's how they they talk um yeah that's that's the behavior of a cult isn't it mm, at the end of the day yeah. that's what that's where the uh, an overlap is is because yeah. someone's got the answer and that can be big cults, small cults, political cults, religious cults. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think it ticks a lot, a lot of those boxes, um, and it it means that you're you're looking behind all of of the the events, and you're you're seeing something different play out behind the the scenes. Um, and this is where all the symbolism comes in. This is where you know the, what's in front of you isn't necessarily what's happening. Actually, there's something deeper. There's some there's some hidden knowledge that that is is being uh, uh you know it, it, only in in only a few people know this this is this is only uh, a chosen few understand what's happening yeah and when you know it you want to tell everyone about it that's right you want yeah, to bring exactly. people to it you know a lot some cults like try and like lock themselves away and don't really want to bring other people in mm. but obviously that's different like with jehovah's witness yeah or, mm. yeah. or truthers you're actually going out and trying to get people to come in because you want them to know the truth. If yes. they know the truth, then we can break this whole thing down. Yes. You know? Would you kind of liken um, what you were part of as like a modern day kind of version of a cult? So obviously, do you know what I mean? The way that the methods it uses and the way that you get involved in it, would would you liken it to that kind of experience? Yes, I, I definitely would. I've been reading like Stephen Hassan and listening to some of the stuff he said i've been um watching watching and listening to plenty of stuff about cult mm-hmm. behaviors and mm-hmm. how how people work together and basically i i can see with the truth movement is there's certain similarities so say the influencers like uh the the small ones that you get now on instagram or whatever all the way up to david ike and people like that Sometimes these people get confused for the guru 
or for the Messiah or something like that by outsiders. But when you're in it, those people aren't that. Those people are the recruiters. They're the ones that bring you in to the cult. Yeah, even even up to David Icke. And what the guru is, is your search for knowledge. That's what you worship, the truth, mm. the info. That's your guru. That's who you follow. So it's, it's a little bit different, but there are very similar psychological factors here. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what I'm seeing. That's how I think, you know, I'd like to try and introduce people to this idea of it being cult-like mm-hmm. is the info is the guru. Your quest for truth is the guru. And mm-hmm. that's really hard to break down. I suppose again, that's the similarity with stuff like, though. In the, if we're quite willing to call Jehovah's Witnesses a cult, we said they don't necessarily have one clear charismatic leader. They have like a the organization, but you know, so yet everyone believes in the organization, the, yeah. the truth. You know, um, so it's very similar again. So if we can call one a cult, then we can definitely liken the other as well. If you wanted to, I don't think anyone it's cult like. Yeah, it's cult like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Everyone has a right to describe their experience in the way that they yeah. feel that they experienced it as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think um, for me, I'm I'm coming more to the feeling that for Jehovah's Witnesses, and not everybody will agree with this, but for Jehovah's Witnesses, the cult leader is the God that they create. So it's the Jehovah that is um, kind of taken out of the Old Testament um, and. Um, created or, or constructed by this religion um so I, i'm i happen to be an atheist but you know i have no problem with people who have uh, a faith in in god um but it, you know some of the the old testament um uh, some of the the descriptions of the old testament god yahweh or jehovah however you want to describe him um actually are quite um uh, this this personality that comes across is is actually quite like a cult leader. It's um, yeah very narcissistic, unpredictable. You know, you've got no choice. You've got to do this, or you're going to die. You know, it's, it's it's actually quite frightening in many respects. And so that's how I see that. Um, it's just my opinion, you know, and it's just my way of seeing it, I suppose. Um, but I think um, thinking about. Um, cults one of the things that maybe is different i don't know maybe you can tell us about this because I, I genuinely don't know so if you try to leave the jehovah's witnesses um that's very very difficult and they make it very difficult for you by essentially holding your relationships to ransom with your uh, family and friends who are still witnesses so you you could easily find yourself disfellowshipped which means you're not allowed to talk to your family who are witnesses you're not allowed to talk to anybody in the congregation they'll just ignore you so you're cut off um so that's one of the things that that tends to be part of of what we describe as a cult is that if you try to leave um there are very you know very difficult elements there for you um when it comes to leave uh the truth movement if you like or this conspiracist way of thinking what are the penalties are there any penalties for you or were there any penalties for you? Yeah, there is a social lashback. Yeah. Right. There isn't, 
the difference obviously between our experiences is your you left an actual organization hmm. where I left a loose knit community of people who shared similar ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there was a very harsh kickback when I came, when I left, no one said anything. A couple of people checked up on me and like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> where, where, where have you been? Mm -hmm. And I just like messaged back and said, oh, I just taking some time out making my music and just chilling. All right. So mm -hmm. don't worry. And so they left me alone. But when I came back in June, or I think it was May or June this last year, and I decided like, okay, I need to pull these people out. I've learned so much. I need to help bring them back out. And I like made a few posts in that. And oh my God, the kickback was just terrible. Yeah. It, it, but it is just, it's a bit like falling out with friends. Mm. That's what it, what it was. I, I did fall out with friends that I met made for decades mm. you know over a decade people that we talk to all the time we all thought you know we were gonna help wake the world up or whatever mm. but there was some uh very trollish behavior really you know mm. but once they were done they were done and then they just like don't don't want to even talk to me anymore really mm. you know it's this like reverse um someone's used it recently i was watching um like a, as a therapist youtube channel where he was describing like things as reverse gatekeeping but they want to like bring people in but yeah. they want to keep you in and once you're if you get out the gate you're that's when you're out you know yeah yeah totally it, it reminds me of um I, we, we get uh in religions you, you get called apostates so um apostasy is is a turning away and it's it's considered mm -hmm. to be one of the if not the most heinous of of crimes really is to turn away from the faith yeah. so being an apostate is you know is the worst of the worst really so it feels a kind of a bit like that you know it's it's one thing just stopping being active but it's another to actively talk against these ideas that that tends to be where the ire and anger really um really shows itself i think yeah because they all you know we all trust each other yeah. we're all friends yeah and then all of a sudden you like hey friends um yeah this whole thing you believe in is completely wrong mm. yeah <laughs> and, and it's you know people don't like being told they're wrong people don't like admitting well, they're wrong exactly i mean that was our last episode we we did as of recording yeah. this we, we yeah. talked about because i think it's so it's so interesting it, and it's a human uh, it's part of our psychology. Actually, there, there was um, I, I did a bit of looking at, at the some of the psychologists' uh, ideas around uh, conspiracy theories. I, I'd be interested in getting your take on it. Some of some of these, um, I I personally thought that's interesting, and others I I, I sort of felt quite um, well. I, I took against them actually. So I'm interested in the psychology of this, but. Um, like cult psychology, I think there's a lot of different opinions, and some of it might not be that well informed. So um, there was there was some stuff around. My first, I suppose, my first question would be: Do you think that there are some personality traits that would make someone more likely to get attracted to cultism or, or sorry, to um, conspiracism? 
Um, like to be honest, I don't really know because yeah. I'm not very well versed in things like psychology. Mm. Obviously, I've read certain things that they're telling me, mm. like say narcissism, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. Um, where I'm kind of coming from is like I think it's a social social problem. Yeah. It's got to be a mix, hasn't it? It's got to be a mix of different things. You might be a certain personality type, but I feel like the so the social problems create it more yeah you know yeah like i always say the world is corrupt so you know these people the, the people that believe in conspiracy theories i always try and tell them like yeah your concerns are very very warranted yeah you know yeah yeah so i i just i wouldn't want to answer yeah. out of step if i don't really know anything about the psychologies to be honest but I think I think that's a really insightful point. Um, there was a there's a guy called Eric Oliver who did uh, a presentation about this, and um, I mean he was clearly coming at it from the political uh, perspective. Um, I think it was Chicago University he was kind of coming from. So um, he he said, well, actually the world is being separated into two types of people: intuitionists and rationalists. And um, rationalists are the people that look for evidence and they they tend to want evidence for things um whereas intuitionists are those people that basically go with their guts and his analysis is that um conspiracy theorists um or conspiracy theories attract people who are intuitionless in other words they they see something that sounds right to them and they kind of go with it um, but I, I have a bit of a problem with that. I, I, I feel that that is, um, it's a bit, I was saying to Celine earlier, so in, in organizational psychology, there's research into uh, people at work and, and how they might respond to change. And there's, there's some areas of psychology that seem to be suggesting, you know, how can you get your workforce to accept change you know well um of course you know people tend to be irrational so uh, they tend to worry about change and my view is if if you've been told that your organization is being bought out by a bigger organization um, i think it's completely rational to have fears about your job um whereas you know from a management perspective it's so oh, what are you worried about you know why are you so uh, irrational about this thing so it feels to me like there's a there's a power element there you know if you're in power if you feel like you've got power then these people who believe in these conspiracy theories are all irrational um you know actually they should uh, so it feels a bit um elitist to me i don't know what what your thoughts are on that yeah i, I think i believe the same uh, you know, you hear you hear so many different reasons why someone's a conspiracy theorist from people from the outside. Oh, they're yeah. stupid. Yeah. Oh, they don't know anything, or they're not politically aware, or yeah, all these different things. But like the most the most intelligent people, yeah, can be these conspiracy theorists. Mm. The people that came up with this stuff were smart, even like back in the seventeen hundreds. Like it's not a. I don't think it's a. a I don't ever think it's going to be one or two things. There's so many different points that make people go into something. And it's so just far too easy just to say it's because of this one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a, it's not going to help anyone. No. And the same goes for cults, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, there might be some situational elements. I mean, that's the other 
question I was I was going to ask you in terms of you know certain times in your life or certain things happen. I think you know nine eleven did seem to spawn a lot of um, ideas, and so that was the situation uh, at the, that particular time and place seemed to mean that that more people had those thoughts yeah um, i'd say like just quickly can i interject like with with 9 11 um anyone like who was alive then knows where they were mm, yeah absolutely. where were you when that happened mm. and did you see three thousand people die in front of your eyes in one foul swoop you know that i think that caused like real bad like social ptsd mm. something that we just uh, haven't been able to deal with yeah i do think that that has like created something like yeah. conspiracy theories throughout the generations and centuries always have they always explode after something traumatic has happened in the world yeah world war one world war two vietnam 9-11, Iraq war, COVID, like conspiracy theories just give you an answer, I, th- I guess. Yeah. But it's because we're all in this shaken state. Mm. I know like 9-11 still hurts me. I, I look at, I, I can see it in my head. Mm. I can, I watched the second plane hit the tower. Mm. I sat there watching it for another half hour, hour of my mom talking about it. And we watched one by one, both buildings fall. And I'm just sitting there going, I'm watching people die. Mm. God. And I think like that's a, it's a psychological scar on, on all yeah. of us. Yeah. I think that's, that's really interesting. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, one of the, uh, the academics who talks about the psychology of it that I, I think is actually quite interesting is Karen Douglas, who mm, talks about yes. three, three motives. Have you come across that? I absolutely love her. I think she's right. fantastic. I want to get her on my show one day so I can talk <laughs> yeah. to her because I want to. I'd, li- I'd like to ask her all these questions as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to figure out why did I do this? Where did this come from? And she is definitely one of the people who has helped me understand this stuff so much. Great in the past year. Yeah, and no, what I like about her approach is that she's not belittling, she's not othering um, people. She's actually saying, "Yeah, these are social needs." These are um, psychological needs that we have to understand what's going on. So need for knowledge and certainty, uh, a need to feel safe um, and avoiding feeling powerless um, and a need to feel good about ourselves and to be part of something. Well, these are completely normal social needs that for some are satisfied within um, a conspiracy theory type system. For some, they're satisfied in cults. Um, The problem with these solutions if you like are that they have downsides which we maybe talk about um and that's the reason that they they create problems but the the reason behind it is because we're sense making machines we are trying to make sense of the world around us that sometimes seem seems so senseless um i think the other the other thing is the political aspect that the more that people individually feel powerless and feel that um, you know, there's nothing they can really do to make their lives better. Um, then I think that also plays into these these ideas. Yeah, totally, totally agree. It just gives us an answer. Why? Yeah. Why is my life so screwed up? Yeah, 
why have I not got what I should get? Why is things not fair? Uh, because of a 1%. And that can be a whole, that can just go into so many different levels. Going from this uh, to talk about people that have yeah gotten into this sort of um, movement, what should, do you think, if anything, like um, societally we should be doing in terms of like all this stuff is just out there, um, these particular influences, you know, because I don't know what would be right to do because if you try and like if someone was like oh we need to clamp down on this it would just you know to a cons- to someone deep in the conspiracy theories it looks like oh yeah they're trying to shut mm-hmm. us down and stop us doing what we know is actually true like what what do you have any feelings or wishes that societally we were doing <laughs> yeah i th- i guess it's a multifaceted answer to that really mm-hmm. what i would definitely say is i don't i do not think that we should shut down their debate Mm-hmm. there should be more people like you know myself out there actually trying to combat it mm-hmm. showing why this thinking is completely wrong mm-hmm. especially ex-cult members mm-hmm. people who used to be really deep into this belief we are the ones that really need to pull people out mm-hmm. so that's one kind of one area you know to, mm-hmm. to deal with that disinformation the other things that need to be done and I don't know how how to do this, but the media starts need to be being truthful. Mm-hmm. Like in in like we all live in England, and our media is quite biased towards one way. Mm-hmm. And you know, journalism can be quite sensationalist and about selling a story. And you know, I think that needs to be fixed, mm-hmm. and then politicians and businessmen need to stop being so corrupt because they're helping this happen. Do people like they need to be a little bit more responsible, you know, like with their language, like recently Tony Blair was talking about microchips. Right. And you're like, he's like, Oh yeah, you can get the COVID passport on the microchip. We're like, could you not read the room? Stop talking about these conspiratorial things right now. Um. Like, (laughs) You know, that that's those are sort of mm-hmm. you know, answers, I guess, but I don't know how to bring them out in the world. All I know is the one bit I can do mm. is try and challenge the influencers of conspiracies and hopefully show the people that were that are in it that you can come out. Mm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to believe this stuff. There are answers. I'm sorry, but the answers will be a little bit more boring than what you're used to. Because that's I'm what messy. I found. Yeah, yeah yes. I'm messy. So there's, a, you know, no, I think it's that that for me is the big thing. It's that it's, there may well be, and there are people doing things under under cover of um, anonymity and there are conspiracies in the world. We know that because some of them come to light. Um but that doesn't mean that they're all connected with each other into this grand conspiracy with this Illuminati group pulling the strings at the top. You know, that's a different animal, isn't it, to the fact that I, some, you know, um, tobacco firms knew that smoking was was killing people. For instance, that's a conspiracy that actually happened, but that doesn't need to be linked to a reptilian overlords, no. you know. it's not. It's not the same ideology, is it? No. Mm. I'd like to ask you guys, what do you think we should do? 
what do you think needs to be done? Mm. It's like, tell me, because I'm, I'm out, I'm out <laughs> yeah. trying, to, trying to do something. Yeah, yeah, to hear yeah. you guys would be actually very interesting for me. Mm. Um, I mean, go on, Celine, first. Oh, um, well, I was going to say, I mean, first thing is that I guess like in the same thing, um, we try and make sure that our content is never um, prescriptive. So it's very much like, um, we're going to explore a topic this week and we're going to say things that we think, um, but we're not going to, you know, present it as, as, you know, the truth. We'll very try and make sure we're very clear on that. And we even, like we said, we did an episode on being wrong as kind of like a thing to refer to sometimes and be like, sometimes, uh, you know, we we might be wrong and we're going to like bring that up if we are and try and do that in the open, I guess, being wrong in the open. Um and, and make that I guess not taboo and and like that it's okay I, I guess that was like that's something that we talked about at the end of last year and we're trying to keep very present in our in our stuff um and then um yeah yeah I'd, I'd agree with that I think um one of the things that it feels to me that has gone wrong in our discourse is that we we always seem to need certainty we need to take a position um, and I think that's because we want um, that, I say the royal we really, we, we seem to want to be part of a tribe. And it's almost kind of important to be part of a tribe because that's how you get your clicks or your, uh, your you know, your views or um, how you get your, even your little tweet out there. You need, a, you need a little following of people who think the same way, who believe the same thing. So you get to the point where you, it's almost like expected of you to have a position about everything. Um, and often that position has to agree with the, the tribe that you're part of. Um, but I think it's important to be honest that there's lots of stuff that we don't really understand very well. And, you know, I could be wrong about that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it, wouldn't that be great if we could just say, yeah, do you know what? That, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe we can, uh, try and find out but even even trying to find out doesn't mean that we're ever going to be 100% certain about things as I've got older the more I feel you know that I'm I'm much less certain about many more things and yet I've done much more studying obviously over the years so the more I study the less I know I suppose one of the other things I, I'm thinking about which is is how how we engage with evidence so I, I did have an experience with someone who who started and, you know, is, as far as I'm aware, it deep into these ideas. And I really feel like I failed. Um, I've talked about it briefly with um, uh, Patrick Ryan from Cult News 101. Um, but I feel that I I wanted to help but I didn't, I didn't help. I, I didn't, I wasn't able to. And so I've thought about that quite a lot about why that was. Um, one of, one of the things for me is, is how people engage with evidence. And it, it seems to me when I ask for evidence, I get sent loads of YouTube links Hmm. and that's just not, you know, after studying in, in universities for eight years, that's not how you do research from my perspective. So if somebody says to me, I've done my own research, then what does that mean? Um, and for a lot of people, I think that means looking at lots of YouTube channels 
maybe reading one or two uh, books, you know, that are not academic books. Whereas for me, research is looking at academic papers, reading about mm-hmm. experiments, uh, reading social social psychology and so you know it's a it's a long accessible i suppose yeah that that's part of the problem i think is that a lot of this stuff isn't accessible it's even behind a literal paywall sometimes Mm. absolutely Um, i agree with you that that's another thing that needs to be yeah done we need to like um unlock Mm -hmm. knowledge yeah Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely i mean when 5g the first time i heard about the 5g conspiracy thing um that was when I was talking to this this person. I thought, you know, okay. So, and I did ha- actually have access to uh, lots of papers. I was part of an institution at the time because I was doing my masters. So it meant that I did have access behind that paywall. So I did a bit of a search on, um, you know, risks of uh, of because obviously, you know, even when mobile phones phones first started, I don't know if you remember. You know, I'm an old man, so I remember mobile phones kicking off and everybody worrying about them being too close to our ear because of radiation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, to me, it seems like just a kind of, um, you know, extension of that, really. Um, so I, I sort of I looked up some papers and thought, you know, what are the risks of, um, of, uh, of these sorts of radio wi- waves um, in the community, you know. And so I was able to read a, a, a paper that talked about any safety concerns and so on. And, and for me, that, that was a good way of, understanding mm-hmm. the science the best of my ability i'm not a you know i'm not a sound engineer or a radiation specialist but um uh yeah it, that there was no secret you know there was no mysterious thing going on it was it was a piece of technology that obviously you know uh would make uh the, the technology companies money because it means that you can stream more stuff you can have access to, to data quicker um it seems like a perfectly normal thing uh, is there a possible risk i guess there's a possible risk of any technology so let's have a look at what that risk might be uh let's weigh it up and then you get into this pros and cons sort of situation and you but that just doesn't seem to be the way that these uh these conspiracists think so it's that that's the bit that i would like to to help people um think about is how we engage with evidence how do we know something's true i mean the best subject surprisingly that i ever had for learning about that was history (laughs) because um it was source-based analysis so we'd be Mm. given a source and we'd be told to break down who wrote it why would they write it what time was it written and what was happening contextually you know what what is their likely bias you know um given this information are there other sources corroborating it um and doing that removed from any sort of like because it's history it's in the past a lot you know you can remove it from your current Hmm. sometimes political situation that was really useful as a as a teenager learning about how to break stuff down um i don't know if that's something that everybody gets access to because it's a optional subject you know so Hmm. and that, that feels like it shouldn't be like a oh some people get to do that that feels like everyone should get to learn how to break a source down yeah but, we, we do need to um we need to teach media literacy literacy mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. lots of stuff like just how to know what you're being told is truth and how yeah. to find out mm-hmm. whether that is because i think this kind of goes back to the intuition mm. does it sound right 
Oh yeah, that sounds like it fits. I'm gonna. Yeah. I believe it. Just running with it. You yeah. know, that's what. But a lot of people would like. This is goes back into the the sociology pr- problem, as mm. well. Like, we ain't got time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ain't got time to do all that. Mm. I, yeah. I'm. You know what? If this expert's going to tell me in 15 minutes on a YouTube video, I'd much rather do that than yeah. have mm-hmm. to go and study for six hours yeah. reading a paper that is very hard to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's true. That is true. We just don't have the time sometimes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, that brings us to the institution institutions that we used to trust, or maybe, maybe we never did have fully and that might be part of the issue, but um, you know, nobody actually knows everything about everything. So even, even PhDs and, you know, uh, I mean, you talked about astrophysicists and so on, you know, they, they don't know much about psychology or, chemistry necessarily you know so mm-hmm. everybody has to rely to some degree on institutions and others um who have studied and read and so on um so i guess it's about trust in those institutions and in those individuals that that seems to have broken down yeah i suppose another thing that's important is our institutions um that they're doing more of it now and i hope it continues to develop where they um they, a lot of science courses now are doing uh, science communication as a module um, and you learn how to communicate with people that are not your direct peers, mm. um, your science, because mm-hmm. it, 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 it is a skill and it's one that sometimes, you know, you're talking about um, psychologists earlier, sort of coming across as a bit condescending. And do you know what I mean? Like mm. it's, it's a skill to be able to take knowledge, distill it down and, and, and provide it in an accessible manageable way for people that have not spent you know four six eight years a lifetime doing that subject so i think that's something that's really important is yeah the communication of science to the general populace making you know content like i guess um taking a leaf almost out of conspiracy's book but you know to as to how to communicate effectively but um you know in 15 minute chunks where people Mm. can just watch it and, and get something useful from these institutional groups that, uh, you know, maybe you might, you, you could run with that instead of, um, you know, a paper that you might find really hard to grapple with. Mm-hmm. Stuff like yeah. that, I think, is really important and really useful. And I'm, I am glad to see that being a module that, yeah, you know, I know that um, a few people doing physics are taking that module um, so they can communicate well. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know whether any of those um, those ideas are, are of any interest there to you, uh, Brent. You, you asked us a question, so I've just gone off. We've, on we've one. done our best to uh, kind of uh, yeah, good. Give, no. our, give our thoughts. Um, it's not. It's not even just to me. It's whoever else is listening. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Scientists. <laughs> I, I don't know whether. Yeah, I'm sure you haven't heard this one, but I'm going back. Like at the beginning of our podcast, I, I did tell my story of when I left Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, I got a little bit into, um, I mean, it wasn't called Ancient Aliens back then, but it you, was... You met John Anthony West. I did, yeah. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. That's, that's one of the yeah. episodes I listened to, and I was yeah. like, I want to talk to this dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was, it was back in the day before, you know, the big hair guy and um, and the, the, the so-called History Channel, um, Ancient Aliens stuff. And it, it 
I mean, it was interesting. And uh, Graham Hancock, you know, wrote the, the, his book, which was I found quite interesting and um, not particularly sensational. But it did obviously it fed into some of this um, this alternative world view about you know ancient civilizations and yeah. Uh, and I, st- I still like Graham Hancock. I, yeah. I've, I've been to like two or three of his lectures. Yeah. He's signed our books. There's a yeah. picture. There's a picture of me and him up there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he gets a bad rap. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. But no, yeah. no, no, it's your, it's you, you're the guest. You should interrupt. <laughs> I should shut up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and in a way that's, that might be part of it is that instead of being dogmatic and saying, you know, anybody that's got anything, different to say we should just shut them down anybody that's asking questions that are a bit um difficult we should just shut them down it feels to me like you know we need to engage with with these uh characters at least the um the ones who are reasonable and actually want to engage are interested in uh in having a, a conversation as opposed to you know i'm sure that there's lots of fringe people that, that are not interested in that but where you can i think answering or at least engaging because there's lots of questions that they have that are really interesting and yeah there is a lot of um, defensiveness i think in certain camps within academia which means that people's genuine questions about things are just shut down uh, and that also feeds into this conspiracy theory um sort of mentality doesn't it you know yeah of course they, they won't answer that question they won't even engage yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. interesting stuff cool well i've really enjoyed talking to you today brent um mm-hmm. your your channel is called brent lee tv yep um how long has that been going it is uh, only six months right oh cool basically mm-hmm. uh, uh, the channel's been around for a long time because i used to make a lot of music in the truth mm-hmm. music right movement and all that mm-hmm. um but this new recovering conspiracist arc <laughs> started <laughs> six months ago basically where i started coming out and actually mm-hmm. saying stuff about this yeah okay. can i can i can i just quickly actually say why yeah Please. i decided to speak out mm-hmm. obviously the pandemic i saw a lot of conspiracies being pushed mm-hmm. and it was kind of, it was quite upsetting to see the beliefs that i held was stopping people from staying healthy yeah and that some people were dying because of it mm-hmm. and then the january 6th um insurrection happened at the capitol in Washington and there were two ladies there that died from their beliefs. They, they both literally believed the same thing I did, except for the Trump stuff. (laughs) I didn't ever believe that kind of thing. Um, but they believed there were satanic pedophiles running the Capitol and that the deep state was trying to take over. And when they died in front of, especially Ashley Babbitt, because we got, we saw that footage, we saw her get shot in the neck by the police officer, which I do believe it was a correct choice to make 
from the police officer's point of view. But when I saw her drop and I found out about her beliefs, I thought that could have been my partner. Hmm. I could have been stood right next to her mm-hmm. and we could have been doing that. Mm-hmm. And I just thought at that point, I need to say something. Mm. I can't like just walk away and not say something. This conspiracy stuff is way, way too mainstream. It's become far too dominant in politics and people are actually dying. Mm. People are getting hurt from it and they're getting hurt for something that isn't real. But I know how how deeply they believe in these things. And like, I just decided that day I need to do something. And I didn't quite know what to do. But it took six months for me to figure out to start how to speak, speak out about it, basically. Mm-hmm. And now, a year later, here we are. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I think it's great that you're doing it. And it's for us, it's um, such an opportunity to talk to somebody that's actually come out of it. It, it, How, how common is that, uh, Brent? Is that, is that something that is, uh, you know, obviously it's happened to you, so it is possible, but how, how many people get out of this? Okay. The truth is like a lot of people do come out of it. Yeah. I've known I've been in it for so I was in it for over 15 years Hmm. and like (laughs) the amount of people that have that I've known over the years that have sent me messages now that were like oh yeah I left that like four years ago five years ago such and such yeah people do leave it Hmm. the thing is is they don't want to tell people yeah Mm. they just disappear right they just delete their social media and carry on with their life. Mm. They don't want to, it's publicly shaming to them. It's, yeah. it's such a hard position to be in. Mm. Like you, your last episode was about being wrong. Mm. My entire message right now is about, I was wrong. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's so, it's still hard. Mm. It's still really hard to be, to be stood here speaking to people knowing that other people are going to listen and they're going to make all these judgments about me because i was wrong like simple but and a lot of people which you know fair play to them i would have walked away too i tried to yeah change your life carry on do something different but i think surprisingly there are a lot of people that come away from it you just don't hear from them that's interesting yeah Uh, and again that's very similar to leaving a a cult or a high control group you know it's something that's taken me a long time to to really talk about um i wanted to hide it when i when i first started going to work you know trying to develop my career i I definitely didn't tell people about being a an ex-jehovah's witness just absolutely no chance um so yeah so it's not in your interest to tell outsiders about it and it's also you know you kind of don't want to well, as you talked about being trolled and so on with your your community that you just left, they don't want to know either. So yeah, you, you, everything about it says let's just get on with life, keep my head down, and mm. um, and not say anything. 
it's much that's, easier. <laughs> that's mm. why though, it is really like impressive, and like mm. I do think what you're doing is really important. So I was just talking to my housemate before I came out, and she was like, "Yeah, I bet that that is something that is incredibly helpful, and probably more people, if they could do that, that would be amazing." Because if you are on the process of starting to watch those videos, yours might come in come in recommended because it's you know related content and you could stop people getting mm. into it even and and that's always i suppose a, a an easier process than than the the coming out from from you know being in for a while so mm. i mean just that in itself is is really important so i think yeah multi multi-leveled really good what you're doing yeah it's, it's always a question isn't there how much you should engage with it because it it gives it gives credibility um against um if you don't engage with it that's the only message that people hear if they're looking for stuff so yeah yeah that's why i don't agree with like deplatforming mm-hmm. or anything like that i think mm-hmm. you just have to have the right person to challenge it mm-hmm. yeah there's other people there's people i come across that are trying to challenge these people and they are just not doing it in the right way and they are not being very helpful mm-hmm. they just they go in and the conversation gets shut down mm-hmm. i found over these six months, specifically over the last three months when I've been really like pushing yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. It's surprising how quickly the conversation opens up when mm-hmm. the person I'm talking to realizes my journey was genuine. Mm-hmm. They'll get over the first initial reaction of calling me a shill or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I can prove to them, mm-hmm. I really believed what you believed. I really was one of you. Mm-hmm. the conversation opens up they are intrigued they're like how how did do you know all that and then walk away what how how did this happen and i think that intrigue is mm-hmm. definitely what will help yeah. me get into them and mm-hmm. bring help bring them back mm-hmm. yeah 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 great well um anything we can do to uh to help um we, yeah, we're here for you yeah, yeah we'll put everything in the show notes for today mm. as well like um yeah yeah your key videos and stuff like that and um yeah and we'll throw or any links that you you have um, yeah. in the show notes thank yeah. you it's, it's just um just youtube and mm-hmm. twitter yeah I, I generally stay away from facebook it's way too toxic mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. yeah i've had i've got too much of a background there mm. um so i i just tend to stay away from there but if mm-hmm. everything is youtube or Twitter at Brentley TV. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, if you're up for it um, and we, we come across a subject that we want to get some expert advice on, um, it'd be great to get you back again to mm-hmm. talk about um, your, your insights. It's something yeah. we, we want to do. Uh, we, we've been interviewing mm-hmm. lots of different people, but now we'd like to kind of focus in on some specific subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, I can so, be, yeah. I can be Brentley conspiracy, uh, Mm-hmm. consultant or whatever excellent yeah. correspondence that's the man yeah <laughs> conspiracy awesome. correspondent absolutely yeah mm-hmm. yeah now that'd be really great um as i said it's something that we've wanted to talk about um obviously i think everybody's aware that that sometimes people's uh attitudes are very uh raw and, and people get very emotional about these subjects for, you know from from both sides i guess um we try to we really do try to engage with all of the questions in a in a good faith way um so hopefully people appreciate that um but yeah i'd like to to talk more about um 
some of these ideas uh, yeah on, on future episodes if you're up for it absolutely absolutely Brilliant. Okay, great well, thank well you. brent lee thank you very much for being on the podcast today it's absolutely brilliant thank you bye what should i think about is an evil sheep production <laughs> <laughs>